You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. The 602 Club proudly presents Snyder Cuts, a podcast devoted to the directorial work of Zack Snyder. And I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me as he is every single week on this journey, the one, the only, John Mills. Hello, and welcome back to Snyder Cuts for what is going to be a really interesting discussion this time as we delve into the documentary efforts of of one Mr. Zack Snyder. Yeah, I mean, this one's going to be fascinating because, you know, it's uh, it's video documentary and shorts that he's done. And, you know, he hasn't done too many of them. Um, but, uh, you know, he did work with the illustrious Michael Jordan. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I think that's a big feather in your cap. But uh, before we get there, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, we're in the feed here with the 602 Club. So thank you so much for checking us out. Um, make sure you're subscribed so you keep getting the podcast um, as soon as it drops. And, uh, you know, if you like the show, please do give us a star rating review over on the Apple system. But of course, wherever you get your podcasts, follow us, uh, you know, over on social media over uh, at Twitter. We're at the 602 Club. Of course, you can always use the hashtag Snyder Cuts. And of course, we're also on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. And then we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. We've got the listeners only discussion group, the Babel Conference, and of course, Trek.fm, where you can see all of the shows that we are doing here on the network. Um, and, uh, so, you know, John, this is, this is really interesting because his first big, uh, documentary work, you know, outside of what we talked about, uh, last time, uh, you know, all of the music videos he was doing, but he does this documentary. I, I, I almost like to think of it as Michael, uh, Jordan propaganda, uh, yeah, called yes, Michael Jordan's playground. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> but one of the things that really struck me with this one that I, I he has such a way of using the footage to because here obviously he's not shooting this footage except for what they're shooting in Hollywood on mm-hmm. um, those scenes. Um, but the footage that he's using of Michael Jordan uh, from all of these games and then on top of the footage they've shot, you can tell that Snyder, with whatever subject he's shooting, if if he has this way of making it so heroic. Yeah. He, he really has a way of portraying who, whatever his subject is as heroic. And honestly, I kind of think that's something we're going to see throughout all of these shorts, all the way to so, Snow Steamed Iron. Um, and that's something that really stuck out to me. Like, he has a way of... of you know, taking heroic people or are making you feel like they are heroic. Yeah, I uh, well, I, um, I jokingly, I think I said in text message to you, I referred to this as uh, a Michael Jordan hagiography um, where he descends from on high to bestow basketball knowledge upon the poor children that wish to have his angelic teachings given unto them. <laughs> um, and so that I mean, but I mean, the thing th- this is, I, if I can play old fart for a second, this is the type of thing you could 
not escape in the 90s. <laughs> Michael Jordan, stuff about how great Michael Jordan was, was an industry unto itself. And what's great about it is it is impossible to explain what a transcendent sports star he really was. The guy, he just, he, he could do no wrong uh, in anybody's eyes. And he is very comfortable in front of the camera. And I think that to your point about the heroic stuff, there's definitely with the footage that Snyder selects, it's all NBA game footage. But he makes sure to choose a lot of the, you know, Marv Albert, oh, there he is, you know, that, that really, the commentators going crazy when when Jordan does something and choosing when he you know sinks a uh you know he he drains a long three it's you know slowed down just enough that way that we we are familiar with now as much as i know it's him behind the camera that's why i'm looking for that there's still nothing that really jumps out in michael jordan's playground no pun intended with the exception of his camera angle choices when he goes to that playground, I can, if I didn't know it was Zack Snyder, I would simply say, oh, that's a neat camera angle. The fact that I know it's Zack Snyder, where he positions it in a certain way, the way he frames a two shot and the way that he has, um, he, he's not a fan of dead center. He always has his subject a little bit off to the left or a little bit off to the right. And it creates for a, a pretty interesting sort of um, sort of framing. And additionally... Yeah, I mean, he's no Wes Anderson <laughs> where everything is centered. <laughs> he's no Stanley Kubrick where everything's going to be, right. you know, <laughs> middle of the frame. Um, but he, you know, he he's obviously... Very early in his career here, he's in a very controlled situation. But what's interesting is in the beginning, when it's showing Jordan in the dream world, I guess, you know, jumping up in shadow and, and draining the 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 long shot and, and, you know, flying up for the dunk, and you have that perfect saturated sunset behind him. Since I know it's Zack Snyder, I can look at that and say, oh, I'm going to see this sort of thing come back in 300 when they're pushing people off the cliff. I see that eye sort of developing there for him. I see at the end his music video acumen coming to bear as Kid and Play uh, dances with Michael Jordan and a few other people to have a song about how great Michael Jordan is. And, you know, there's a charm to the the behind the scenes stuff that he selects uh you know for the credits sequence but um i'm not going to write long glowing praises of this this is very much grist mill nba films let's get the kids watching sort of thing you know buy the videotape for 10 dollars sort of thing yeah and well and one thing that i mean you know also stuck out to me which I, I thought was very snyder was the way that he shoots uh the you know story of the young boy uh you know and you know the lighting choices that he uses you know as uh, you know he's at the tryouts um you know just the slow motion that he he's using with that to accentuate every little detail of it you know i i think 
That's all stuff that we will see, obviously, especially once we get to 300 and beyond. You know, again, we talked about with his music videos and it shows up here. His his love of playing around with saturation levels uh, and light levels. Um, and you can already tell that, I mean, he's a, a somebody that I think has an eye for that, right? He's He's mm-hmm. trying to find all of these different ways to create something to be more cinematic than it should be, right? I mean, there's no reason why this should be as good as it is in in what they're shooting in Hollywood. Um, And all because he just decides to use a few different types of camera angles and light levels and everything um, that do kind of, uh, you know, change how things look. It was really interesting. I don't know if it was when... Michael first showed up on court. And as much as I usually use uh, last names, Michael Jordan, you you know, I want to be like Mike. So, you know, (laughs) we all refer to him by his first name. But um, I think that with uh, there, there's one shot in specific where you can see the, um, the, the limits of the lens. They haven't cropped it or zoomed in or anything like there there's that Mm -hmm. fading around the sides that you know i i don't know exactly what it's denoting but i thought it was very interesting because to your point a lot of these shots are more artistic than they need to be they could have just churned this out and nobody would have cared nobody would have batted an eye but this is obviously somebody again early in his career taking the opportunity to do something a little more interesting with it than he needs to because he's uh, he he wants to start learning he wants to start putting his ideas into practice and you know he can quietly do it here well and and even just the messaging of you know what michael's saying to the kid is is mm-hmm. quite different than the kind of thing you would get today and it's very michael jordan i mean even today you know we we have both seen uh the last dance and yeah. you know you know, when you see Michael, Michael never made any excuses, you know, and that's pretty much what he tells this kid. You know, this kid yeah. is trying to make excuses to him about why it was everybody else's fault. And and Michael's just saying to him, basically, prove them wrong. Who cares what they say? You have to put in the work to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, basically, you're at fault. Uh, and, it's, it, and he says it nicely to the kid and he encourages him nicely. Um and in, in, in a, I would say, a very mentor-like way. And yet, you know, it's just, I think it, it's a very Michael Jordan message, which is you work your butt off and you prove to everybody that you are the best. That's the only way become, you become the best. And, you know, I mean, the the documentary even makes the fact that, you know, Michael doesn't didn't make his first run at, at high school basketball. Mm-hmm. He had to go back and practice for a year and then come back, you know, Um and uh, it even, you know, it alludes to the fact that, you know, in college he had to prove himself. Then in the NBA he's had to prove himself. Um, and I was really uh, – and it was, you know, we talked about how this is kind of this glowing Michael Jordan thing. But, you know, Michael even talks about this idea, look, everybody was paying attention to what I was doing with scoring – but I wanted to be known as a well-rounded player, so that made me work even harder on my defensive game, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, the messaging, I think, here is is such – it's very, you know, like classic kind of Americana, which is you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you do it yourself, 
um, and you prove everybody wrong who's telling you you can't do something. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something I thought was really interesting. And, you know, fascinatingly enough, I know Snyder is 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 a little bit um, obsessed with Ayn Rand um, and the Fountainhead. He's been, you know, wanting to make that for a long time. Touchy and material. That he really loves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yet fits very well within the message that Michael is giving, right? Yes. Which is he's he's exceptional and he's going to show himself to be exceptional to everybody on the planet until there is nobody that doesn't know his name and literally Michael Jordan did that. And that and and the thing is you mentioned the fountainhead that's the whole point of of Howard Rourke is he's going to show the world that his architectural ideas are the best. Yep. And yep. you know everybody else wades through and 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 gets caught up in other discussions having to do with Rand and and all of that type of stuff. But at its core, the reason that book would speak to an artist is this is my vision. I'm going. Don't make me compromise my artistic vision yes. uh, because yes. this is how I speak to the world. <laughs> right. And, and so, doesn't that make sense when we have the mm-hmm. guy who? You know, inspired an entire like legion of people to get us to create, to allow him to be able to create the Snyder Cut. I mean, like no other person has done that. That well, is incredible. Yeah, we'll we'll have. I know we'll have plenty of time to sort of delve. Yes, we further we'll have further of time. But into it's that. Just fascinating. Yeah it, yeah, it really it really kind of is, and I really hope he does. In all in all actuality, as and I know this is de- derailing here. I have read The Fountainhead, and it's a fascinating book. There are so many things about it that are debatable. There are so many things about it that are that. It's it's actually beautifully written, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of what yes. you think of anything else. And so I would – I will be – and it's been turned into a film before, many years ago. Yeah, it I'm, has, yeah. I am – I would be fascinated to see Zack Snyder's take on it, what he would choose to keep, I mean, what he would choose absolutely. to cut. And – yeah. But to your point, yes, like th- this is the sort of thing that winds up getting mocked, but at the same time is uh, like I consider it such a necessary aspect of, uh, you know, a, a cultural sort of thing that we have those heroes, those heroic figures, and undoubtedly Jordan and the NBA played into it. And the the superstardom and the admiration everybody had for him, Michael Jordan had the ability, the freedom to be a Dennis Rodman, but he chose to be Michael Jordan. And right, yeah, he took it on. He's the role model for the person that says it's my responsibility to be a certain type of person to the public because all eyes are on me. And so that speaks to your point. That is very much embedded in this. Again, this is not like a five-star documentary that I'm going to buy, you know, on right. on laserdisc <laughs> and show to my friends or anything like that. This is this is gristmill stuff, but it still has those elements of the the heroic story to your point when it gets to those things. I I wasn't terribly in honestly when it's showing the the recap stuff in the nineties, it would have been interesting with commercial breaks to sit there and watch Michael Jordan's playground and be like, Oh yeah, I remember when we made that. Show. Oh yeah. That was a great shot. Oh yeah. And here are other players talking about how much they love him and everything. But in a compact format like this, it's like, okay, okay. I get it. Just show me the, the, 
the the parts with just the kid uh interacting with with Jordan and then that that absolutely cheesy music video at the end which is such a time capsule of popular culture at the time it's fascinating in and of itself i mean you know does anybody even know who kid and play are anymore i mean i know who kid and play are but does anybody even know anymore and and i'm not saying that well i'm not saying that is like a dig yeah i'm not no, i know I, i'm saying i didn't know who they were i was oh, i you know i had to look it up because the star the stars I, of house party you know, house party two and house party three come on man i i know shocking uh you, <laughs> I'm just young enough from you. There's just enough of an age inference that there were things that you were, you know, you had older brother. It helped you kind of see some things and stuff like I didn't have that. And, uh, you know, my my super conservative uh, family that I grew up in, that was not going to be a thing I was going to be watching. So, oh, but see, I, I was undoubtedly cooler than my older brother. I'm pretty sure I, you know, showed him a thing or two. (laughs) If he ever listens to this, he's. He's still able to uh, mop the floor with me, so I'm just asking for trouble right now. <laughs> so we we debated on talking about this one, and um, but I think it it fits obviously with his his shorts, and you know it's the lost tape, Andy's terrifying last days revealed, and this goes along with what uh, the movie that we're going to be talking about next week, the first movie, which is Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. and. You know, I was actually struck by how much more relevant this feels over the last year and year and a half now, it seems like, than it maybe would have when it came out. The themes of the zombie apocalypse thing, it's its never been about the zombies. It's been about what the zombies represent and what those situations reveal about the nature of society and how we interact with each other within it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's an interesting side piece to Dawn of the dead, right? Like that it's, um, it's enough of a taste. If you like the film and you like the character, which I thought the Andy character was pretty interesting. Um, you know, that's, you know that that's that's pretty interesting to 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 watch and everything um and it, what's what's striking about it is the fact that dawn of the dead has this interesting side material with it dawn of the dead was you know just on the cusp of the multimedia experience if you will they were just starting to delve into that. And so, you know, this is a, 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 relative, a relatively well-formed one um, that, you know, I, I mean, it's an interesting curio sort of thing. It's it's kind of silly watching it. You know, it's this this kind of silly thing. Um, but I and and this is uh, in all honesty, I've not seen Dawn of the Dead, Dead yet. Um, it's the one Zack Snyder film that I've never seen. And so uh, it, it's one I, you've seen and I haven't seen. So the, we're flipping the tables there. And I think it's going to be really, uh, you know, interesting to be able to go in and watch. And mainly, uh, you know, I'm not a huge zombie person personally. Um, and, and so uh, it's never been kind of my genre, you know, unless yeah. it was like zombie land where it's more funny. Um, and so. Uh, but this, I was just struck by how um, 
it is an interesting picture of what happens, you know, when somebody is basically locked in solitary confinement for an mm-hmm. extended period of time. And, you know, uh, like for the longest time, you, you don't know who he's talking to. You think that there's like somebody off camera and it turns out it's just his fish he's talking to to try and keep him basically sane. Um, and then he's kind of exchanging messages for the, the people at the mall across the street and all. And, you know, like it's just it, it's a really, um, you know, having, you know, lived through what we did in 2020 um, where there were there were some weeks there where it wasn't really seeing very many people at all. You know, um, this just had an a, a totally different feel to me watching it now than I think it would have if I'd watched this, you know. 10 months ago, you know, uh, uh, you know, over a year ago where yeah. I would have seen it and I wouldn't even really have thought of it. But there's something about it that has a whole new connotation now, which is fascinating to me when media can do that, where, you know, something may come out at one point and it's, yeah, whatever. But now it has a whole other interesting side to it, which, you know, obviously Snyder doesn't intend but that's just the power of of what media can do, how it can change with the times and have a whole new meaning to it, which is what makes, you know, filmmaking, I think, so fascinating in the way in which people respond to that filmmaking throughout the years and what they bring to it. Mm hmm. I. I am going to be very interested to get your reaction to Dawn of the Dead, and I think this is a good foretaste of it for you to have an idea of the type of themes it explores. Um, And I don't want to say too much more about it in specific, because then we start sort of touching on my feelings about the film and I haven't done my rewatch yet as we're recording this. And so I haven't watched Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead in many years. I saw it in the movie theater. Um, I watched it a few times afterward. And this time I'm going to watch the unrated version uh, so I'll be very interested to come back and revisit this and talk about those sorts of themes as well as, because I know you're not a zombie or a horror fan. I'm going to give you fair warning. <laughs> Snyder doesn't shy away from the blood and guts in, in Dawn of the Dead. Just going to let uh, you know. Yeah. Going to give well, you, and I, it's, I'm, it's not I'm pretty bu- <laughs> well aware of that. I, you know, like yeah. I have seen, I've seen 300. I, I know his, his predilection for gr- <laughs> no. gruesome guts and gore, you know, so. Three, 300 is a candy colored daydream compared to what happens <laughs> at Dawn of the Dead. And trust okay, me, I'm, yeah, it's not bone tomahawk, um, which I highly recommend to anybody that has a high threshold for disgusting things, but, um, it's not bone tomahawk, but, uh, yeah, it's gonna. I'm. I'll. I'm just now. I just. I can't wait to yeah, see Dawn of the be, Dead now. Yeah, talk yeah, about now, it. With you. It's gonna be. It is really gonna be fun. And I think this is the fun about doing this show. You know, um, is just again revisiting films like this. You know, and 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 seeing a progression of an artist. And and this is something that's really interesting to me. You know, um, the the next short we have is Superman seventy five, and mm-hmm. it's an animated short that. Uh, Zack Snyder directed for DC uh, to celebrate 75 years of Superman, obviously. Yep. And how can you watch this and say this guy hates Superman or doesn't get Superman? Because this is literally a gorgeous representation of every era that Superman has existed and 
how each one is slightly different from the other. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is a a loaded conversation that's going to keep coming back, but I think what it is, is people mistake. And this gets back to, I guess, the whole visionary artist discussion, Rourke, Fountainhead sort of thing. But people, I, I will say this, I agree with you. People mistake not liking the way Snyder tried to explore Superman with quote unquote, not getting Superman because this is a really fun, loving tribute to a character that has meant so much to so many people for at the point, at the point where it's made 75 years, 75 years. That's a long time for a character to endure and it's a long time specifically for a i mean comic books are pulp children's material at their core that's where they start from it was a way to get kids to spend five cents when they went to the drugstore with mom and dad and you know have a fun adventure and and escape and stuff like that this little this little what was it four minutes i think it's is, is it even four, two and a half minutes yeah, yeah. i mean it's, yeah, I, it's very it's very brief yeah i i mean it's it's a super short thing um it's a lot of fun like this is the type of thing i actually wish they would start putting in front of superhero movies for instead of you know the, like the marvel lo- the marvel logo sort of has this vibe a little bit but it's more about like hey marvel is so great and even the the dc one Shows the the yeah. different characters mm-hmm. with the light behind them, and it's really rousing and stuff like that. I'd love to see something like this. Take this, show this in front of the next Superman movie. Have something like this for Batman. Just I like these little shorts, and um, yeah, I mean this is fun. This is this really actually does do some cute things too with um the way that the character animates and the way that the character changes and. You know, even just the the sense at the end of it where Snyder is conveying with, you know, showing his version of Superman at the end of it, he's conveying he knows he's just part of a tradition. This isn't his yeah. character. Yeah. This is yeah. a character he's just given his spin on. Like, he, he's he's carrying the flame forward. Well, and, and I think you're absolutely right because, you know, when you watch the the short one of the celebrations is the way in which the character is involved and the way in which each one of, you know, these uh, different characters uh, are each the way in which Superman um, has kind of changed through the, uh, the lens of their, you know, said creators at that point, you know? Uh, so originally, uh, the Schusters all the way to, you know, seeing him in black and white on television to seeing what he how he kind of changes in the golden age in the 50s, you know, and they even kind of play up some of the goofiness of that, <laughs> uh, you know, as well as, you know, then into, uh, you know, what you get um, with the Super Friends and, you know, like all of these iterations have had a lens through which the character is being viewed and each of them is completely different. I mean, if you were to go back and read the original Superman character comics, you know, most people, I think, would be kind of surprised 
at how different Superman seems to the Superman that we kind of think of now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a social justice warrior. He's beaten up, you know, crime bosses, you know, literally in the first issue. So, you know, I think, like you said, it this plays out as somebody who does realize he's a custodian of a character for a time. Mm-hmm. And he's just a long line of people who have put their lens, their creative lens on this character and, and tried to do it justice, you know, <laughs> do it justice. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and um, it's like you said, it's a fun short that really, I think, does celebrate something that I think everybody's surprised that a comic book character has lasted that long and now it's even longer you know i think what superman's over 80 years now so yep. um yeah over yeah like 87 yeah it's it's been a while yeah, anyway it's been a while and it's um it looks great for his age yeah he really does <laughs> yeah but but also there's um there's a really interesting thing because to speak to your point about showing how he's evolved yeah he's evolved but there's also a thread throughout this with what stayed the same about him which is that larger than life yep uh heroism that everybody looks up to that everybody everybody wishes if they had the power of superman that they'd be like superman everybody wants to believe that they would be like he would and not the way that Mm -hmm. we're afraid we might turn into and that, isn't that kind of an interesting connection with, you know, like Mike and Playground? Like, we all wish that we could be like that, you know? Be like, like Mike. What we see. Yeah, it portrayed. So I, that's an interesting connection there that some of the, and, and it might be an interesting theme just to kind of look through to see, you know, I, as we talked about this ability of Snyder to kind of place his characters um, lovingly into the camera and portray them as heroes, you know, even if they, what they're doing is maybe morally questionable, which I think gets us perfectly to Snow Steam Iron, where, you know, this is a short film, very artistically done, um, and, you know, very much portrays a horrible situation for this young girl who you, we can see has been used, it looks like, um, you know, in the early pornography industry, been abused, and finally has had enough and takes her revenge. And... um it's, I would say, you know, this comes out in 2017. This is everything that Snyder has learned and used in his previous works all put into, you know, a four minute short in the sense mm-hmm. of the type of saturation that he likes. Very intentionally saturated in a certain way to to bring out the hyper reality of this mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as the um, almost uh, fantasy like nature of it, too. Um, but I mean, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like the, 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 the composition of every shot here, it, it, you know, is something you feel like you could pull out as a frame and mm-hmm. just marvel at the beauty. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's so, I, I just find it so well done. You know, I, I'm really impressed that, you know, four minutes you can, pull something so emotive and so heart-wrenching and so terrible and yet so kind of like empowering all at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I, I mean, you encapsulated it perfectly. I, I, I was so incredibly impressed by this. I, I saw, I mean, it's one of those things where I looked at it and I, you know, people think it's a lot easier than it is to, 
tell a complete story in four minutes with no dialogue. I mean, that's not terribly like this was reminiscent in a certain way for me to what uh, Tartakovsky did with the clone, with his version of the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. With those little, those little, you know, micro shorts, those little three minute shorts. Can you Mm -hmm. tell a story in that time? And Snyder does. And he, he Mm -hmm. makes it interesting. I, what I saw a hint of here was stuff I want him to indulge. I want to see more like this. I I don't Mm -hmm. want to see to, you know, now the caveat being, I do want to see his version of justice league very, very much. Um, right. But I don't need to see a two and a half hour blockbuster from him. I like this. This is really Mm -hmm. efficient, clean, interesting, visually stunning. And I would like th- this is one. Of, this is the one where I would pick out. I I would say th- this is like a five star experience. Like I'm going to think about this every so often, and I'm going to revisit it mentally because it's really something special. You know what it reminds me of, honestly, is Lucas's work in THX. Yeah, Lucas was definitely in this realm um, back in those days. The more abstract stuff. The the I don't need dialogue. Yeah. I can I can put this together. It just reminds me of all the things, you know, like Lucas has always talked about doing more experimental films, you know, and, and things he might shoot in his backyard that nobody would ever see. And this is kind of what I expect, uh, like the kind of thing Lucas might pull out of his back pocket, you know, just mm-hmm. something more like this. And so, yeah, I, I think that was something where I was uh, – Snyder definitely – loves pushing the envelope and I think trying to see what he can do. And this is one of those places where it definitely seemed as though he, he almost almost felt like this. He kind of needed maybe a palate cleanser um, after his experience with justice league. Mm -hmm. Um, And because this is 2017. And so He's working something out. He just needed to do something that was completely all his own and nobody was going to tell him no, you know? Uh, I think that there's also with some of the bloodiness and some of the, um, some of the imagery in here, he's working something out uh, emotionally in this piece. And um, I don't think it's autobiographical by any stretch. I'm just saying there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, pain behind this i look at this and i see somebody who's processing yeah. something that is really heavy and again i don't see anything autobiographical what i see is just somebody sort of in a space where they need to put this 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 um this sort of imagery together just to purge them like you know what this catharsis that's what i'm seeing him exercising some sort of catharsis with this and and purging something out of himself which is what artists do you know he shouldn't ever have to be uh beholden to the idea that the uh art dies when artists choose not to do certain things for fear of how they'll be received yeah you got to just go for it because 
regardless of whether the audience likes it or not, you have to put it out there. And you have to be willing to have people hate it. You have to have people and have people love it. Mm-hmm. But then you get something like this and it's really interesting and it's really short and it's four minutes and it's one of the best things I've watched. I, I haven't watched it before now. It's one of the best things I've watched in the last year. It's going to stick with me. I, I, I you know, I, I don't want to praise it too much and, and go overboard or anything, but I'm really glad I watched it. You know, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking, uh, because you were, you were mentioning this idea in working something out. And I I almost got the feeling um, as I was watching this, you know, because you kind of get this feeling that this story is about a girl who had been brought into something under one pretense and it turned into something else mm-hmm. slowly but surely. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse until she couldn't take it anymore. Um. And, uh, you know, knowing that Snyder's daughter committed suicide, as well as what he went through with Justice League, I think you're absolutely right in saying that he was working something out Mm -hmm. and that there is a lot of catharsis here. And as I think about it, it's just kind of it's a really moving and like uh, kind of emotionally moving thing to think about, like somebody being able to try and put into film and work out something so like having so much pain in one year, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and then just trying to let that go in a way in art. And isn't that what so much of what art is? And I think um, you really touched on something there that I hadn't thought of until then. And wow, I think, I think you really nailed, you know, what was going on here. And I think that's what makes, um, you know, on the front of it, you would if you just watched this, you had no idea who had directed it or whatever. Really, um, I think you might think, "What is this?" You know, mm-hmm. but once you know who this is, and you know the situations around it, um, it really does stick with you, and it makes you keep kind of going deeper and deeper. And and that's the beauty of of really well done film. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like you said, it doesn't even have to be two hours this is four minutes and it's utterly affecting Mm -hmm. and you know we live in the era of people don't even have the patience for two-hour film anymore that he could wind up pioneering you know a return to to form like that but (laughs) you know who knows who knows yeah it's good stuff you know it's uh i'm i'm really excited you know obviously we have we We've covered the music videos, we've covered the shorts, and now we're on to the films of Zack Snyder. And of course, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is what we're going to be covering coming up. We'll have Dawn of the Dead, 300, Watchmen, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul, Sucker Punch, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, and uh, then of course we'll be waiting for Zack Snyder's Justice League to come out and army of the dead uh and so those are the films we're coming and covering and of course as we're covering this we will be covering Zack snyder's uh director's cuts of those as well so we will be doing the unrated version of dawn of the dead um the director's cut of watchmen not the like four hour version but the actual director's cut same thing with sucker punch uh and batman v superman so um 
maybe by that point we'll have his uh, new edit of Batman v Superman with the um, uh, IMAX scenes uh, restored to on HBO Max. Who knows? But uh, yeah, we've got a ton coming up. So I think it's going to be a blast. And if we can talk that uh, in-depthly about mm-hmm. <laughs> a four-minute movie, it be interesting to see once we get into his two-hour movies, three-hour movies. So, <laughs> and, and I'm, and I'm going to say, just so everybody knows, just as a reminder, what we said at the beginning of the first show, I, I occupy that bizarre no man's land of um, I neither love nor hate Zack Snyder. I know his work. Mm-hmm. And so I'm coming at this and you're coming at this from your perspective as well. This is not something where we're just going to be gushing or, you know, it's not going to be both of us gushing over everything. This is going to be a really honest look at these sorts of things. And I'm excited to look at the director's cut of Dawn of the Dead and the director's cut of Watchmen. Because I know specifically what my issues were with the theatrical cuts of those. And I'm super interested to see how the director's cuts are different. Um, because yeah. I've, I've wanted to watch them for years. So I'm glad that this mm-hmm. show is giving me the excuse to visit them. Yeah, really cool. So, well, um, we do want to thank you uh, for joining us. And, and of course, um, you know, make sure that you check us out uh, wherever you get your podcast and you're subscribed. And, and we'd love to hear from you in social media. But, uh, John, if people did want to catch up with you and, you know, of course, see what else that you have going on these days, uh, where can they find you? Well, you can find me as Kessel Junkie on your social network of choice, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. Uh, I recommend Let's Connect on Letterboxd. Letterboxd is fun. Letterboxd is a place where you can't have dumb fights. So there you – well, although occasionally I creep into Matt's reviews and leave snarky comments, but that's just for fun every so often. Um, and then, of course, you can uh, find me on KesselJunkie.com when – work isn't crushing my spirit and you can um find me over on the nerd party on uh, the house light series where we look at different directors and you can also find me on aggressive negotiations a special type of star wars podcast where i have a delightful co-host by the name of matt rushing yeah we just can't get away from each other that's really what it is (laughs) it's called a curse just in case anybody's wondering a gypsy curse Uh, that's been cast on me yeah uh it's called (laughs) your lucky day um but uh you could find me all over social media under matt rushing zero two uh you can also find me um here on the network doing uh the orb as well as literary tracks and the main 602 club show uh the orb is about star trek duty space nine Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek, and of course the 602 Club is about all of the fandoms we love that don't have anything to do with Star Trek, so make sure you check out them all. And then of course as well, over on the Nerd Party Network, aside from doing aggressive negotiations, I'm also doing Outpost with Drea Kaufman, where we're actually wrapping up the Harry Potter series. We've been going through that one chapter at a time, and we're almost done. So uh, it is a great show that you can listen to start to finish your favorite book favorite chapter i mean it's so much fun so i hope you'll check that out but we do want to say thank you so much for joining us and this is snyder cuts snyder cuts